Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is where we're going to be. My son lost his phone this week. And, uh, and it was a thing. It really was a thing. Although, looking back, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. It was just one of those things where sometimes your phone slips out of your pocket. That sort of thing. But this was his new phone. And this is the phone. All right. He got it uh, for Christmas, his birthday. So it still smelled new. All right. It's a brand new phone. He lost it. And um, not his fault, but I went to pick him up at uh, the urban air at the trampoline park. And that's when he told me, I can't find my phone, you know. And based on our account and stuff, I could tell his phone was there. It was, it was at, the, at the trampoline park. The, that's the good news. The bad news is it was somewhere there, right? It's just in this giant loud trampoline park. And we searched everywhere. We searched way after closing. We came the next day. We searched everywhere. And, and it's really a challenge when you're in there because of the noise. There's so much noise in that place. They couldn't turn off the machines or unplug them. And so there was just this noise. You couldn't do the like, find my phone where it, it makes the noise. You, you couldn't hear it. The other problem was that there was like a million places where it could be. At one point he was like, I was, it was definitely over here. This is the last place. And so we searched that place and we searched and we searched. And then he's like, I think it could have been over there, you know? And so we, we go over there and we're looking and we just, we just couldn't, we, it got to the point where you could search an area and feel really good that you searched everything. And then you walk away and you think to yourself, but maybe it is still over there, you know? It's just this internal doubt, this external distractions, all of that was going on. Thankfully, the next day we did find it in the place he definitely never went to, the foam pits. Um, that's where we found it. But as I was feeling that frustration, and I know you felt the same frustration. You, you've lost something, you're looking for it. You, it's, it, it consumes your mind. You're like, how are we gonna find this? I, I, the, the feeling, the frustration was familiar. I think in a number of ways, we feel the same thing. You're going through life, you've got all these decisions to make, You've got these things that you are doing and you're never quite sure about the next step. Anybody else ever feel that? Like you got to make these decisions. Here's a couple of them. Should you take this job or that job? Two jobs laid out in front of you. Which one should you take? This one has better benefits, better pay, location, office, you know, all that kind of stuff is at play. Study this major or that one or that one or change back to this one. Has that ever happened? It happens. Do you base your decisions on finances or on fulfillment? Like this is what will make me happy. This is what will make more money. If you are like I was, you have several beautiful, smart women to choose to marry. And uh, you just, you just got to roll the dice. See how it goes. You know, just see what you end up with. Should you buy or I don't, everybody laughs at that one. Should you buy or lease? Is it time to retire completely or just step back a little bit? Should you sell the company? Um, should you expand your house or maybe just wait a few years and downsize a little bit? All of these questions, all of these things that are going on in your life constantly, big questions, big things. You need to make these decisions, but you're not quite sure. Even when you make the decision, you're like, I'm not, maybe I should have taken that one. Maybe I should have studied this thing. All the while we are deep down, I think myself and you are, we're searching for something. We're looking for something with the same 
fervor and, and energy that we were looking for that phone. We're all looking for this, this thing. We're looking for, we're looking for um, safety. We're looking for happiness, joy, some sort of security. Maybe you're looking to escape. We're looking for these things and you make the decision and then you're not totally sure if the decision you made is gonna line up with the thing that you are chasing after. You know, Jesus tackles this same idea in our text this morning. He, he, he's not talking about a phone. He actually talks about bread. But while he's talking about bread, he brings up this really big question. And this is our question for today, is what motivates you in this life right now, what you are doing is what motivates you in this life going to matter in the next life? Is what motivates you, drives you now, going to matter when it comes to the next life? Let's take a look and see what we might learn and hopefully even better what we might find. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word and thank you for how you continue to encourage us. You draw us closer to you. God, thank you for the praise that has already been lifted up. We pray that you find it acceptable, that it's pleasing to you, that it's something that encourages us. God, may we leave here today with a, a renewed uh, sense of purpose, clarity, and what it is we're chasing after as we, as we taste the bread of life. It's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. John chapter six, I'm gonna read 26 through 27, but before I do, before we even get to that part, that's according to the schedule, we have to skip over some really great stuff, really. Uh, John chapter six begins with two miracles. The first one is the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, Jesus um, feeds all of these people that are all out, um, outside of the town. And, and what John is really trying to set up here is that Jesus is the, the new and the better Moses. Okay, so you can, you can study that later, but he's really trying to set up this idea that Jesus is the better shepherd. He is feeding the flock, that sort of concept. And right after that, which really paints, it, it really sets up the context of what's happening. The disciples start to cross the, the, the water there. They start to cross the lake and Jesus follows them on the lake. He walks on water. The, the people that uh, he fed, they go around the lake because they're trying to get a little bit more of that bread. And it's a really fascinating story because the feeding of the 5,000, very public. Everybody saw that. Uh, the walking on the water, that's private. It's just for the disciples. It's also fascinating because of the way that John writes it. There's a number of things that are going on with this. And, and so follow me on this for just a second. John does not mention that Peter walks on water. It, it, literally, when you read it, John says, uh, so we were out there, kind of scary. Jesus walked out to us, he got in the boat, and then we were on the shore. But he just leaves off the whole part that one of his friends gets out and walks on the water. And that's not that big of a deal, except for at the end of John, when, uh, or towards the end of John, after the resurrection, John is the only one that mentions that John and Peter raced to the tomb and John beat Peter to the tomb. So you put those two things together and I feel like John has beef with Peter. I just, I just feel like he's, for eternity, he's like, hey, I mentioned you. Did you tell him I walked on water? No, I told him I beat you in a foot race. You know, that, that's what's going on there. And the story picks back up uh, the next morning when all of these people are on the other side of the, of, of the lake. They, they find Jesus in, in verse 25, and they say, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they say to him, hey, Rabbi, when did, when did you get here? It's almost like fancy seeing you here. We didn't know you were going to be here. When the whole reason that they went around the lake was to, was to run into Jesus again. They wanted more of that bread. And that's where our text picks up. Read these verses with me. It says, Jesus answered, truly I tell you, you are looking for me not 
It's a big word right there. Not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled, the loaves of bread. Don't work for food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus referred to himself constantly as the Son of Man. That was his favorite nickname for himself. The Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal of approval on you. Catch it. He feeds them. Next day, they go around to meet him. They say, hey, look, it's Jesus. And he goes, ah, you're not after me. You're actually looking for something else. What Jesus brings up is the motivation. What are you looking for? What was it that they were looking for? Jesus really wants to bring here to the front of our minds, to the front of their minds, this idea of motivation or why it is that they were doing what it is that they were doing. So here's an important reminder for us. He knows why you do what you do and it matters. We tend to think that so long as I do the right thing, my motivation doesn't matter as much, but your heart, your motivation, it matters. All throughout the Bible, it matters. In Jeremiah, I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. James 4, 8 encourages us to have clean hands, what we do, and a pure heart. Jesus said that those with a pure heart will see God. He says that in Matthew chapter five. And in Matthew six, it says where your heart is, your motivation there, there your treasure will be as well. So why you do what you do matters. Motivation means the definition of it. I know you know this, but it's the reason or reasons one has for acting or behaving in a particular way. And since we all behave in a particular way, then we all have motivations. This is important. This is why you ought not be fake. This is why you ought not be hypocritical. We tend to do that. We tend to make sure that we're smiling on, on the front. We're outside, we're being kind to everybody, but on the inside, snakes. Don't be that way. God knows your heart and he understands your motivations. Jesus is calling them out. He says, you're not looking for me. You don't wanna, you don't wanna, you don't wanna hear what I have to say. You, you're wanting something else. You're wanting, you're wanting more food. That same son that lost the phone, he recently got his learner's permit. He's learning first, so he's learning how to drive, you know? And so there'll be regular days, I'll come home from work and he'll, he'll meet me at the door. And he's like, hey, dad, how was your day? It's good? Do you by chance have a lot of stuff to do tonight or are you pretty free? You, you open, you, you got nothing to do, you know, that sort of stuff. He doesn't care about my day. He could care less what I have to do that evening. All he wants is for somebody with a valid driver's license to be sitting in this seat as he learns to drive on your neighborhood and where your cars are parked. That's what he, <laughs> that's what he wants to do. Motivation matters. Jesus calls him right out on the front and says, you're not looking for me. I know this, you know this. Let's just skip to the, the chase. Listen, not only does he bring up the idea of what they are looking for, he brings up what they spent their effort on their labor and their work. He says it right here, don't work for dot, dot, dot. Don't work for your, it's what you're looking for. It's what you are working for. They were motivated by the bread. And so they put some effort into it. They went all the way around the lake. They went all the way over to the other side of it. They, I, I imagine that next morning, you know, Jesus just walks on the water, gets in the boat and they get to the shore. They all went all the way around the lake. I can see them out of breath dirty, dusty, all this kind of stuff. And they're like, hey, hey, it's Jesus. Did y'all know Jesus? Yeah, of course they did. They put effort into this. They worked toward it. There's an American proverb. I like that I get to say that today. 
There's an American proverb. Normally we say like a Jewish proverb or a Chinese proverb. We have some too, all right? Let me, let me tell you about this one. The poor spend, the middle class save, and the rich invest. It's a proverb, all right? And I don't really even want to talk about the way that you handle your money, all right? That's not the point of this. I want to talk about it in the way that you live your life. What if we don't tell you, what if it's not about money? What if the poor spend their lives, the middle class save their lives, the rich invest their lives? What is it about the way that you live your spiritual life? I think there's some ways that we can apply this to our, to our lives, that we can be challenged, that the poor just spend their lives. They just, whatever's in front of them, whatever's easy to grasp, they waste their lives spending it like it doesn't matter. Every day doesn't matter. You just waste your day. You just waste your evening. You waste your energy. You waste the giftings that God has given you. You're just spending it on whatever is fun and easily acceptable or accessible. The middle class saved. Now that seems like a good thing, right? And most people are in this spot. And I'm not saying that any of these are necessarily bad. I'm just saying let's think about it for a minute. I do think that there is this large swath of spiritual lives that are just lived safely. They just live their lives according to the script which means that most of your childhood and your teenage years are spent in the pursuit of a scholarship. That you're gonna one day get a scholarship for your advanced placement classes or your dual credits or your travel ball. And then you get to college and you choose majors and, and careers based on earning potential. And then you start your career and you take the job that pays the most because that makes sense, right? And then you start this career and then you put it off and put it off. Finally, you find somebody, you get married to them and then you buy a house that's way bigger than you can afford in a neighborhood that you cannot afford to be in and you buy all of these things. You start to think about having a child and just because you had the thought, you now need two SUVs and can carry 14 people around. And there's only two and hopefully one, right? Coming along. You buy a dog way before you need a dog. And then you spend the rest of your life earning and working and striving to keep up with this lifestyle because you're just living it safe. You're living it according to the scripts. And again, hear me, I'm not judging any of that. All of that is a way to live. What I'm asking is why? But the rich, they invest. These are the kind of people that don't always, but often do look like the, the kind of people that live their lives pursuing things that will matter past this life, will matter past college acceptance, will matter past their career. They spend their lives chasing after something that's gonna glorify God. And for those reasons, they don't necessarily all go to university. Sometimes it's trade school or military or it's college, those sort of things, or, or they just apprenticeship somewhere. But it doesn't matter because what's really mattering is the opportunities to make much of God. And they find a spouse that has a similar passion in their lives and they partner together to, to bring glory to God. They choose where they live, not based on a job and how much it pays so that you can keep up with a lifestyle, but based on where there is a missional need. They go to sin cities and places where the gospel is needed and they are doctors and physical therapists and teachers and accountants in those cities sharing the gospel with other people and supporting those local churches. They adopt a child or two or three for the glory of God and then they live their lives raising their families to bring glory to God. These people invest their lives and it pays massive dividends. So again, I know it's a touchy subject because it feels like I am critiquing the life that you live, but my life is very similar to the life that many of you live. I'm not critiquing that. 
I'm not critiquing your three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage house. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just asking you, why did you chase that? Why? Was it the script or for the glory of God? The poor spend, the middle save, the rich invest. And what Jesus is asking us to do is to consider what it is that we are doing. What if the question is not, how will you spend your life? But it instead is, how will I invest my life? We all have the same number of hours in the day. And so the question is, what are you going to do with those things? And what reasons will you do that? It would seem wise and productive that we examine our motivations and what it is we are doing. And so these people, they were living this moment. They were chasing, they were looking for, they were working for the food. Don't work for the food that perishes. That's where the rubber really meets the road. That's really where we have to do some uh, reflection, looking in our heart and asking ourselves, do we do that? See, it seems like such a small thing, right? He just fed them and he left, but they all go to the other side of the lake for what, a piece of bread? They go to the other side of the lake for a loaf of bread. That seems, it seems illogical. It seems like something too small. Like I'm not doing this, but let's say I did. Let's say that the first person that comes up on the stage and gives me a high five, you get a special prize, right? If I said that, most of you are like, I'm not doing that. I don't even know what the special prize is. You know, like what if it's a sticker or something? My pride would keep me from putting myself out there like that. My pride, I wouldn't do that. It's too small of a thing. If I said, well, what if it's a loaf of bread? All of you are like, I'm not doing that. They went around the lake all the way around the lake and it's a lake that they call a sea, all right? And they went around the other side of that thing for bread. And so there's a part of me that goes, why would you do that? It's too small of a thing to live your life for, to work for, to be looking for. And yet we got to remind ourselves that for these people, they didn't have the same access to food that we have. It wasn't just as easy for them to get and to eat what they needed. And so for them, this wasn't just a want, this was a need. They needed that. And because many of us have such easy access to food and to the nourishment that we need, then we can often forget that there are people in our lives and in our worlds that this makes sense. This makes sense that there are people on the street corners in our community, there are people that are homeless that need these sort of things. And so this makes sense. There are children in our, in our school districts that they eat a meal and that is the meal they get that day that is provided by the school. We, we forget that there are people with these deep, big needs. The other side of the coin, the other thing that I think really hits us is this. I think we do this. I think we go looking for and working for things that are here today and gone tomorrow. We go way out of our way, pay way more money for this brand of makeup or this fishing lure. Both of them are fleeting. They will go away really fast. And again, I'm not at all saying that that's bad. I don't think it is. I'm just thinking that maybe we relate to this story a little bit more than we think. We do spend a lot of energy and a lot of time chasing things that honestly, they're fleeting. They will go away really fast. So, I mean, you can have it, just don't live for it. Jesus points that out. He brings it up to the front here. It's important also to notice this, that. Jesus gave them that food. He said, don't work for the food that perishes, 
That's the food that he gave them yesterday. Jesus is not against them eating bread. He's fine with them eating the bread. He's fine with you having uh, the fishing lure or the makeup. He's fine with that. That's not his point. His point is don't live for that. It doesn't last. Verse 26, Jesus says, you ate and you were filled. You ate and you were filled. You ever go to a restaurant like a, like, like a, like a Mexican restaurant and they have chips and dip and before your food even gets there, you're full. Anybody else do that? It's a number of restaurants um, from uh, where I'm from where you, you get uh, fresh made tortillas before your food. And you are full, full before your food comes out. You got chip, dips, tortillas. It's great. It's wonderful. And then they come and lay out that chimichanga right there in front of you. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. You know, <laughs> you walk away, you're full. That's how they were. They were filled all the way full. And the, not even 24 hours later, they needed more. Think about that for a second. How many things in our lives do we live for that are here today and gone tomorrow? And we literally live for it. We chase it. We want it. He's not saying that it's bad. He's just saying don't live for it because it doesn't last. It does not matter. In the end, it doesn't matter. Last week, uh, Cowboys played the Buccaneers and uh, their quarterback, some no-name guy named Tom, and, um, and hopefully Cowboys retired him last week. And he was losing really bad, really, really bad. And it's, the, for, it's, it's almost, the game's almost over, all right? And one of his receivers did not catch one of his passes. And the camera caught his face. And he said words that he should not say, you know? He said some bad things, he was mad about it. And I remember sitting there thinking, Tom, what does it matter at this point? You really should just play the game. And I'm not saying that football doesn't matter because football matters a lot. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying at that point, I kind of could see the argument if somebody was like, dude, it's just a game and there's no way you're winning this thing. Just have fun. And you know, I'm talking theory here. There's no way Tom or Dak or anybody would live that way. But we do that too. We get so upset about things that just flat don't matter. They just don't matter. I mean, there's a lot of us Cowboys fans that may be very upset tonight, you know, about things that kind of matter, but not in reality. So we live our lives the same way that they're living their life. So if we live like they live, then the questions Jesus is asking, what are you actually looking for? Don't strive for things that won't last. Instead then, instead, live for things that do last. Jesus is saying, don't live your life for bread, bread. Live your life for better bread, all right? You want bread, bread. You want better bread. You know what I just thought of? Y'all remember Mrs. Baird's bread? Y'all remember that? Is that a thing everywhere? Or is it just when I was a kid? Mrs. Baird's. There's this really cute commercial about Mrs. Baird's bread. And this little boy on there. And at the end, he goes, I love Mrs. Baird's bread. Because he wanted to make sure everybody knows that he doesn't love Mrs. Baird, whoever that is, you know. He loves her bread. Jesus is saying, live your life not for bread, bread, but for better bread. 
things that matter, things that are gonna last past this life. And so then Jesus says a bunch of stuff like Jesus says, the kind of stuff that is, it gets a little confusing. In verse 27, he says, the son of man will give you this bread. He's talking about himself. He's saying, I will give you the bread. And then in verse 35 and 48, Jesus says, I am the bread. All right, so I will give you the bread. I am the bread. And then a little later on, he says, and you gotta eat the bread, okay? It's Jesus talk. And at first it, found, it sounds confusing and it's hard, but it's not, it's not hard. What Jesus is saying is this, instead of living your life for things that are here today and gone tomorrow, live your life for me. It's very similar to the way that he says in chapter four, that living water will satisfy. He says that those who eat this bread will not. Uh, is the satisfaction that this is the thing that matters. This is the thing that you need. There's a difference in chasing what he can do for you and walking with him just because it is him. They wanted what Jesus could give them. And he was trying to point out that while that isn't bad, like the food that he gave them, it isn't enough. It isn't the thing that matters. We said last week that you may have many critics, but only one judge. You might have a lot of people that are critical of you, but you only have one that judges you. And so the question is, what will you say when you stand before that judge? How did you live your life? And did it matter? So this brings us all full circle. This brings us all the way back to the beginning. It's what motivates you in this life going to matter in the next? Is what motivates you now gonna matter in the next? Hear me, I, John, Jesus, we're not telling you to quit your job and to go into vocational ministry. We're not telling you to become a monk. It's not give up all, it's not sell your house and your, and your, and your, and your oodle um, and your SUV. It's not, it's not sell that stuff. Live that life, but live that life to the glory of God. Leverage your work and your relationships and your house for the glory of God so that other people would know, so that you're living your life in a way that's going to matter past this. Here's the application. The gospel message is this. Have you accepted, do you trust Jesus like this? Have you centered your life on Jesus? Have you accepted the bread of life? Have you accepted him and allowed him to change your life? Submitted to his authority? That's, that's the question. Otherwise, there's a very good uh, chance. The reality is you're living your life wasted. You're just wasting your life if you have not lived your life for the bread of life. There's two questions that I walk away from this text asking myself. Why am I following Jesus? You say you're a Jesus follower. Why are you doing that? Is it because of what he might or could do for you? Like make you feel better about yourself, gives you a community, eternal life. All those are good, but is that why you follow Jesus? Or is it following Jesus because of Jesus. I said this week, if you thought about it this way, uh, let's say there was like um, a married couple and one of them is the breadwinner and they earn all the money, that kind of stuff. And they have some sort of conversation. The one who is not the breadwinner, quote unquote, the breadwinner says to the other one, I'm not married to you because of you. I'm married to you because what you provide for me. All of us would either like be mad at that person for saying that 
All of us, our jaws would hit the ground. They're like, that's not the right, that's not the thing that you're supposed to say. And yet many of us have that same relationship with Jesus. I don't love you for you. I love you for what you give me. So why are you following Jesus? The other thing is, are you investing your life? I feel like this is a little less, what am I doing? And more, why am I doing it? So keep doing the things that you're doing, chasing the degrees that you're chasing, the careers and all that kind of, keep doing that, but do it for the glory of God. Pastor Steve Gaines tweeted this uh, statement this week and I thought it was really good. I told him I was gonna steal it. He told me you can steal it, which makes stealing it less fun. But he said, uh, I could use it. This is what he says. I hope you'll really live today, not merely exist. I hope you'll take risks and not just play it safe. I hope in the end, you'll die living rather than live dying. He says, I hope you'll invest your life, the one that Christ gave you. And you do that by chasing after Christ. I've told y'all before that my kids are bilingual. Uh, they speak English and teenager. And, um, and, the, and, the, and the second language doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't accomplish anything. Some children, some students, they learn things that'll help in life, like Spanish or, or Chinese or something. Um, they, they speak a language that just does not matter. And... And there's often, I, get, I struggle with this, this, these phrases that they say and this stuff. I just, I just don't understand it, you know, and I get frustrated. And as many of you probably do as well, there's a phrase I thought I would teach you so that we can, we can all be bilingual together in something that doesn't matter, all right? Here's the phrase. You thought you ate. You thought you ate. This is what it means. It's not a nice thing to say. It's a bit cutting. And I know it's not nice because I've heard it several times <laughs> to me. It's used when you do something that you think you did well at, you think you did a really great job and you expect to be hyped or praised and yet you failed at it and they point that out. That's what that means. And so it's like this, it's like, it's like if you were trying to like burn somebody, you're gonna make fun of them and you say the insults and it, it doesn't really land. And you look, like, you look like a loser, right? And they look at you and they go, oh, you thought you ate. And you know, and they walk away. Or you're playing basketball and you're like, watch this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drain this three, you know, and you go to shoot the, the basket and you just airball it. And all of your friends laugh at you and they say, you thought you ate, that's the phrase, all right? And I know because of my age and my position and stuff, I may have just ruined the phrase or maybe it's not a phrase anymore, I don't know. It's a dumb language, I don't know. But that's what it means. And the reason I'm telling you that is this, there are so many people so many people that live as Christians, so many people that are in churches and they're gonna live their lives and they're gonna die and they're gonna wake up and they're gonna think that climbing the ladder at their job, having influence, peer awards, buildings named after themselves, savings, all of these accomplishments are gonna matter. They thought they ate. It doesn't matter. In the end, those things are good, but they're not everything. They matter a little, they just don't matter for eternity. They thought they ate, and what they really need to do is to eat the bread of life, to come and to take the bread of life. That's my prayer for you this morning. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.